Blog Talk Radio. The following is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Coming up third, Liz Bird up the inside. Rock Diamond, wow! Four of them. Here is Rock Diamond and Mitchell Cushing. They win the gold cup in soccer. It's American history trying to dig in on the outside endeavor. Tuned in to the official podcast of the Sport of Harness Racing Post Time with Mike and Mike, with your host Mike Carter. Number one thousand for the third time, Aaron Merriman wins. And Mike Bozich. Down to the finish, turning a game winning the Betsy Ross over Caviar Alley at Apple Bottom Jeans one forty nine and two unbelievable. Welcome on into another exciting edition of First Time with Mike and Mike, presented by our good friends at the United States Trotting Association. Mike Bozich flying solo here today. We certainly appreciate each and every one of you uh, joining us on this uh, beautiful Thursday afternoon as uh, we're taking our Thursday morning, I should say, as we're uh, a pretty good view. We're broadcasting live from the uh, announcers booth here at Harris, Philadelphia. And I have to say, what a big, big weekend of harness racing uh, that will be going on across the country. We've got Pennsylvania Science Stakes Finals coming up Saturday at the Downs of Mohegan Sun Pocono and Sunday right here at Arrows, Philadelphia, going to the exciting uh, purses uh, right around the $250,000 mark. Also, the Ohio Science Stakes Finals will be contested this weekend. And, of course, a big, big day coming up on Saturday uh, at Woodbine Mohawk. Is uh, they've got some outstanding action there. As a matter of fact, we have Mark McKelvey uh, from Woodbine Mohawk break it down for us. The Canadian Pacing Derby, what a, a great, great race that is setting up to be with Better's Wish, Dancing Loose, Century Pharaoh, a backstreet shadow. Well, I had a chance to see race here last week at Ernest Philadelphia. Just looked outstanding in sub 49. Uh, American History Centra's back in action. So, a great, great race there. And of course, uh, the big one, the Maple Leaf Trot, 
That is going to be a big one. That is race number five on the program at Woodbine Mohawk. And uh, that features a great field. Jim Penzi and Manchego starting uh, from post nine and ten, respectively. You've got Guardian Angel on last year's Maple Leaf Trot winner. You've got Atlanta. Uh, Lindy the Great has really come along well. Uh, so it's going to be very, very exciting. It's a great, great weekend of racing coming up uh, all across the country. And uh, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want, certainly want to miss it. And you're not going to want to miss this program because we've got a great, great show here for you today. We're going to uh, get inside the chart-riding mind of Northfield Park's newest chart writer. That's right. Our good friend Matt Rose is going to be joining us here in just a couple of minutes. And, you know, chart-riding to me is one of the most, if not the most, uh, important job at the racetrack. And I'll tell you why, because it is certainly the gambler's lifeline. And it, pretty much everybody that handicaps a harness race or a thoroughbred race for that matter really, really depends heavily accuracy of those charted lines. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's, it's, uh, we've got a really good chart rider here in James Witherlight. Uh, work with a great chart writer at the Meadowlands and uh, Kelly Petoskey and uh, you know Matt Rose a great chart writer as well and it's it's just it's one of those jobs that you have to be a hundred percent. Now listen, as an announcer, if I screw up the name of a horse or if I screw up the uh, where a horse may be or if I miscall a horse, that it's easy for me just to roll right on and turn the page. If you're a chart writer and you mess something up, that's a pretty big deal because that's really a gambler's lifeline. So we're going to talk to Matt Rose uh, about actually how to chart a race and uh, what kind of tips and tricks that he uses uh, to assure accuracy in a charted line. Plus, uh, a name that you might start to become familiar with him pretty quickly, and the name McCarthy is certainly familiar with Harness racing fans, especially after this, this year with the big year that Andy McCarthy has had winning the Hamiltonian and all the uh, stakes races that he has won so far here in 2020 and back in 2019. But uh, his younger brother, Todd McCarthy, starting to make a splash on the driving seat here in North America, in particular Harris, Philadelphia. We've had a chance to see him drive uh, a few times here as he is starting to uh, get his name out there, make his presence felt that uh, he has done an outstanding job, so we're going to talk to Todd McCarthy a little bit about uh, how he has adjusted uh, driving here in the States. Plus, uh, as we talked about earlier, Mark McKelvey is going to be joining us, of course. Uh, Woodbine Mohawk's very own. He's a jack-of-all-trades. There's a lot of different things uh, for Woodbine Mohawk. They just do an outstanding job up there from top to bottom, and uh, their handle is showing it, too. So hats off. Uh, to uh, Mark McKelvey and the gang up there. And they've got another big card coming up on Saturday, and that's off the heels, of course, of the big card they had last Saturday with Pepsi North America Cup. And how good is Tall Dog Stranger? You know, it's funny because as racing media, and, and I really don't uh, – I, I don't really include myself in, in, in that. I mean, I know we've got a, a program here, but, I mean, you know, comparing – some of the likes of uh, Derek Gibner and, and, and Dave Briggs and all the great and Gordon Waterstone and, and Steve Wolf and all the great uh, people that cover the sport of harness racing here in the States uh, and uh, across, across the world, as a matter of fact. But, uh, you know, what more can you say about Tall Dark Strike? 
I mean, he's a special horse. He is just an outstanding resource. He's probably going to go down as one of the best ever. And he just continues to rack up wins. Another fantastic win in the Pepsi North America Cup. And uh, I'll tell you what. I mean, could he, with Poppy Rob Hannibal out of the equation, you know, for the, for the Glamour boys, could, could basically he run the division? Can he run the table? <laughs> I mean, I certainly don't see why not. So uh, we're going to talk to Mark McKelvey a little bit about Pepsi North America Cup, but more importantly, what's coming up on Saturday at Woodbine Mohawk. Matt Rose is in the on-deck circle. I can't wait to talk to Matt about chart riding. It's actually one of my favorite subjects, and we're going to attack that next on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by our good friends at the United States Trotting Association. Back in a moment. Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit winnerscircleracing.net. That's winnerscircleracing.net. Here comes the charging moa, charging hard at Every year, the Harness Horse Youth Foundation travels the country to share the love of harness racing with the next generation. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation educates, introducing youth to new friends and opportunities. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Learn how you can support bringing kids and horses together, building a stronger future for the sport. Visit hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. Hey, racing fans. We all know the ride begins well before the starting gate. Stay warmed up around the clock at PennHorseRacing.com, your home for all things harness and thoroughbred racing. PennHorseRacing.com gives you the inside track on betting, industry events, breeding, news, and more. You know, everything that'll give you an edge come post-up. Visit PennHorseRacing.com today. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're back on post time with Mike Devine, presented by our good friend from the USDA, Todd McCarthy. will be joining us here in just a couple of minutes. Got a bit of a driver on the scene here in the States, plus with my Mohawks, very own Mark McKelvey. But first, it is the brand new charge rider at Northfield Park in uh, beautiful Northfield, Ohio. His name, Matt Rose, a good friend of the program. Matt, how are you, buddy? <laughs> I'm very good, Mike. Thanks for having me again. Matt, I'm going to tell you what, this is actually one of my favorite subjects, and I talked about this in the lead into the show about how important of a job the chart writer is because, uh, listen, our gamblers, our customers rely heavily on the accuracy of that charted line. Yeah, you know what? It's like uh, we the, the, the chart caller or the chart writer, as you say, uh, we're one of the definitely one of the unsung heroes. Uh, I think that uh, people don't even know we exist. Uh, we're kind of behind the scenes, and 
this is uh, my 21st year of doing it, and I still have trouble explaining to people, even people that are in the know in the industry, so to speak, I still have trouble explaining to them exactly what it is that I do and how it gets done and why it needs to get done. But it's certainly you, – you can't, you can't produce a program, past performance lines or charts without a chart caller. Matt, let's talk about – and this is the question that I get – and you just kind of alluded to it. It's, and I've watched I've, – I, I think I've watched you do it a time or two. I know I've watched James Witherite on Charter do it. I've watched Kelly Kutowski do it. Uh, and, you know, it's, it, it, it doesn't seem like anybody does it the same exact way. So I'm going to ask you, how in the heck do you actually chart a race? Like, let's start – let's say the race starts from the beginning. Take us from the beginning of the race to the end of the race and what exactly you do. <laughs> all right. Well, for starters, I was in a very uh, unique situation working at Yonkers all those years because I was in the room with the Annette, with the uh, track announcer. So that meant I was I wasn't able to talk or use uh, you know one of those little recording devices or anything like that, which a lot of other charters and other tracks use. So I had to learn to just basically, you know, hand-eye coordination and. Uh, <laughs> So it's almost like I, I had to learn a completely different way. So when people see the way I do it, they're they're surprised because they don't think the way they, they don't think they could do it that way. But uh, basically, uh, yeah, I mean, we we create the statistical picture, you know, of the race that goes down onto paper, and it took it takes a long time to get used to it. That's for sure. You can't just walk right in and try it the first time, no matter how many races you've seen in your life. And be able to to you know figure out a way that works for you. It, it takes a it, it takes a lot more discipline and learning uh, than that. And you know, it, it, and it's interesting because there's only one of a handful. You, I mean, you're one of a few people that actually do this and and and, and uh, make a career out of it. Uh, and it, it seems like charters speak the, the, their own language. Like, you know, I'll watch things and say three by four, four by four. What the heck? What, what does that all mean? <laughs> three by four might mean uh, somebody's uh, the position and how many went back to the next horse at whatever particular call. Then there's, a, then there's a, the, the ever popular out, which means the horse is in the two path or or out, out, or double outs, or at Northfield, now that I'm learning, now that I'm starting in Northfield, the out, 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 <laughs> or triple out, because horses go four wide there all the time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, everybody has their own routine and their own thing that works for them, uh, and their own kind of speech patterns or shorthand writing, uh, so to speak. So, it, you know, it is quite interesting to watch somebody. I think it's almost as interesting to watch somebody chart a race as it is to watch an announcer call a race. How about that? <laughs> yeah. And you know what? And I was, I was just mentioning that, uh, you know, before we brought you on, see, if I screw up the name of a horse, so I screw up the position of a horse, or if I miscall a horse, it's really, I mean, it's, yes, it is a big deal of course, because, you know, I mean, you try to do the best job you can, but it's not a big deal in the sense that you can just roll right over it. Like it never happened and continue the race. But if you, if you kind of mess up a charted line and it goes to print, now that's a big deal. <laughs> However, uh, I guess announcers, they have one, you guys have one shot to get it right, I guess, so to speak. And the entire uh, listening audience is hearing you. 
I guess as a charter, I have I have more time or or, or more than one chance to to uh, to make sure everything is you know not uh, not be embarrassed so to speak before that line does go to press. But you know what, uh, it, it still is uh, a, a I guess a uh, s- subjective uh, data collection because. Certain people might see things one way, and certain people might see things another way. Uh, and then you have the the automated uh, the trackist that that shows the the on screen graphics, and they have it a third way. But uh, at the end of the day, every truck caller out there uh, strives to get the most uh, accurate information out there, obviously. And like you said, unlike unlike I guess track announcers, if you make a mistake, oh my goodness, everybody hears. I guess fortunately, chart callers are in a position where we can we can correct something after the fact with nobody knowing maybe it was wrong in the first place. So I guess I guess maybe we have an we have an advantage a little bit by being, you know, behind the scenes in that respect. Yeah, well, the main thing is to get it right for the gamblers because, like I say, I mean, it, it is absolutely their lifeline, and they depend so much on the accuracy of that charted line. And uh, you know what? Hey, that's. Uh, you know, that could be the, the accuracy of those charted lines can actually make a gambler a winner or a loser. So it certainly is a very important job. Now, you're the new chart writer at the Northfield Park. Of course, that, like Yonkers, uh, is a half-mile track. I've been upstairs at Northfield Park before. I mean, you, you guys, it's, it's, it's a very good view there. You're, you're right outside where Ayers uh, is, right? Yes, yes, right to, to, okay. to the left okay. of his little uh, announcer's booth, yes. Yes, it, and, yeah, it's uh, little. It's it's very little. <laughs> yes. Yes. I've called a few races there, and yes, it is it is very tiny. But Matt, before we let you go, let me ask you this: uh, any difference? And I guess it would pose the same challenge to you guys that it would pose to an announcer. A- any kind of uh, difference between charting on a smaller track, a half mile track, maybe versus a five minutes or a mile? Uh, for well, for, the, for obviously just for sight lines, if you're on a half mile track, you can you can pretty much see the whole track without needing to use binoculars or refer to a TV screen or something. Uh, especially during daylight hours, uh, I have noticed one of the main differences between uh, Yonkers and Northfield uh, is just the the lighting, or there's mm-hmm. something something going on with the with the light in the sky or the lighting on the track where. When it gets when it's light out on a half mile track, you can see everything like it's like you can almost reach out and touch the horses. When it gets dark, uh, I have uh, it's it's a lot more difficult to 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 make things out, and then that's where the binoculars come into play. But that's the main difference, obviously. Half mile track, everything's so close and right in front of you, you really don't need, you know, binoculars or other equipment. Whereas on a mile track, you know. Obviously, it's uh, even with the twenty twenty vision or whatever, they're just the quarter and the half mile and, and on the final turn, they're just simply too far away uh, that, you know, you need to use uh, some sort of vision equipment. I mean, I've, that's the main obvious difference between the sizes of the tracks. All right. Well, Matt, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Congratulations on your post at Northfield Park. And I agree with you, man. Chartwright is, a, they, they are definitely uh, the most, I think one of the most important jobs uh, in the sport of harness racing and thoroughbred racing, for that matter. Matt, good luck to you. We'll catch up with you another time, my friend. Sounds good. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. All right, Brandon Chartwriter at Northfield Park, Matt Rose. And our next guest has been waiting very, very patiently. Uh, so let's uh, let's bring him on right now. 
Uh, Todd McCarthy, and of course, McCarthy, a very, very uh, familiar name with harness racing fans. Uh, Andy McCarthy, not so much Todd, but Todd is starting to make a splash here in the States. He's starting to get some drives. And uh, uh, how are you doing, my friend? Good to, good to have you on the program. Yeah, good morning, guys. Thanks very much for having me on. All right. Well, Todd, first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. We're starting to see you kind of get some more drives in particular here at Harris, Philadelphia. And uh, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, how you got started in the business and, uh, and uh, kind of those kind of things. Yeah, okay, cool. I uh, I come over here um, only just last week and, um, you know, it's been quite overwhelming the amount of support I've received so far and, I uh, you know, I'm super appreciative of that and I'm, at the moment I'm having an absolute blast. Um, you know, the racing back home is, is definitely not as much racing as uh, you guys have over here, so, uh, no, it's been a ton of fun this week and really enjoying it. What, uh, what kind of made you come over here? Did... Uh... Did Andy kind of nudge you along and say, hey, the, the, the water's nice and warm over here? <laughs> um, no, it's been something, you know, I, I've sort of, yeah, I, I think it's the, it's the pinnacle of racing of the world, in my opinion, and it seems to be, uh, you know, everyone sort of strives to want to wanna be here, especially back home. It's, uh, it's the dream for a lot of people. So it's something that I've had in the pipeline for a while now, and uh, I've been having a pretty good run back in Australia, so it's been hard to leave, but... Um, yeah, even though it's been a tricky time in the world right now, it, it was still a good time for me to head over and, and give it a crack. And uh, I, uh, like I said, I've just it's it's been a, overwhelming the amount of support I've received. It's been fantastic. Visiting with driver Todd McCarthy. Todd, let's talk a little bit about the difference in styles of racing and driving a horse uh, in the United States compared to overseas. What are some of the biggest adjustments so far that you've had to make driving horses here and some of the different styles of racing that you've seen? Um, I think, you know, back home we race distance a little bit more. Um, so, um, you know, it's a different style of racing there. The, the, the speed seems to be a lot slower over the longer distances. And we do have mile racing, and especially at Menangle, it's it's getting pretty, pretty similar to the American style. But... Um, you know, a few differences I've noticed is the lean back. You know, we uh, we certainly don't lean back uh, back in Australia as much as they do over here. So driving in that style, um, you know, it's kind of a little bit to adjust to. But uh, I think I'm I'm really enjoying it at the moment. And uh, the wider sulkies too. We race in sulkies that are uh, a little narrower and they're further away from the horse. So the, uh, the back legs can clear the wheel if one gets a little wide in behind. So... The closer sulkies and, and the lean back and, and the faster racing, it's uh, it's definitely different. But uh, no, it's it's really cool. What would you say so far since coming here has been your biggest challenge uh, driving here in the states? Um, I think you know learning all all the new horses and all the new form and uh, learning the the particular way that you know, people drive and stuff like that. So it's, uh, you're sort of starting from scratch and uh, back home, I could kind of go to a meeting and I I would know most of the horses and how they raced. And, you know, you could sort of have a look through the programs and and figure out races pretty quickly. So here I've, uh, I found myself every day, you know, watching a lot of replays and and doing a lot of form like that and and trying to learn all the horses as quickly as I can. Um, Yeah. and, And, and just sort of uh, have as much knowledge as I can going out onto the track and, and know what's going on. 
visiting with driver Todd McCarthy, new here to the States, uh, making a splash. A couple of wins here at Harris, Philadelphia. Todd, let's, uh, of course, you are Andy's uh, younger brother. And uh, as we said at the, when, when we introduced you, uh, Andy's just uh, certainly had a, a huge year here in 2020, of course, with uh, winning the Hamiltonian with Ramona Hill and some other states races. Had a very solid year in uh, 2019. And uh, what is, uh, what, if anything, is, is Andy uh, kind of giving you some advice as far as what to expect you're driving in the state? Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm so lucky to have Andy here and, and Kat too. They've They've been wonderful and I'm housed here with them and I think, uh, you know, that's been a huge leg up for me. Not only Andy being able to get me, I'm sure being able to help me out and get me a little bit of work there, but, you know, to give me some advice too on, on the do's and don'ts and things like that and, and understand the racing here a little bit more has is, is just been a huge leg up. Now, I can't thank them enough for the uh, the amount of help I've had, and especially with the way Andy's going at the minute. If he, uh, you know, if he couldn't give me some good advice, I'd, I'd be in trouble, I'd say. All right. Well, Todd, let's we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Best of luck to you as you get your career started here in the States. And I'm sure uh, you're gonna, your name is going to be one that we're going to hear a lot more from uh, coming up in the uh, days, weeks, and months ahead. Congratulations, Todd, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks very much, guys. Appreciate it. All right. That was driver Todd McCarthy making a little bit of a splash here. Uh, as he's been primarily driving at Harris, Philadelphia, but you're going to see his name pop up uh, around the East Coast. And uh, always interesting to ask uh, drivers and trainers that come from overseas the difference uh, in style. And obviously one of the big things that I think that we find, one of the main answers that I think we find is distance. Uh, you know, you got different distance racing over there, a lot longer distance racing over there in a lot of uh, situations. So good to talk to Todd McCarthy. Still got a lot for us to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mark, presented by our good friends at the United States Charting Association. Man, they are just getting it done at Woodbine Mohawk, not only with the with the great, exciting races, but uh, that, the handle has just been through the, through the roof. They've just done an excellent, excellent job. And one of the people that is spirited, that is going to be our next guest, Mark McKelvey. So we're going to talk to Mark about it. A little bit about Tall Dark Strange, a little bit about last week's Pepsi North America Cup, and they've got another big weekend of racing coming up Saturday with the Maple Leaf Toronto Canadian Pennsylvania Derby, and we're going to get into that with Mark coming up next. You've got first time with Mike and Mike presented by the United States Trotting Association. Back in a moment. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Bootenshane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training surface in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com.
We're back on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by the USDA. Mike Bills is flying solo here and today. Mark McKelvey joining the program now from Woodbine, Mohawk. Uh, Mark, uh, I kind of said it at the beginning of the show, and I think uh, we're kind of running out of things to say about Tall Dark Stranger and how good he really is. Another great performance in the Pepsi North America Cup. Uh, this horse is obviously a very special horse, and he just keeps rolling right along. He certainly does. Good morning. Uh, yeah, last Saturday night, the, the performance in the Pepsi North America Cup, I think uh, certainly during this unprecedented time, uh, it'll be one that we won't forget. And, you know, that race has had a lot of memorable performance over the years. This was the 37th edition, and I think we can probably rank Tall Dark Stranger right up there uh, near the top. And I, to your point, you know, what else is there to say right now? But I'm not sure that we have given him just maybe all the love that he deserves because he is certainly on uh, the path to going down as one of the all-time greats. And uh, we were lucky to have him here for the Pepsi North America Cup. It was, it was disappointing. We couldn't have the, the usual uh, packed house that we would at Mohawk Park, but uh, those that tuned in uh, certainly got to see a pretty special performance. And to that point, uh, got to see a plan come together because obviously there was a lot of moving parts that had to go into uh, getting him to the Pepsi North America Cup uh, with his connections and everything like that. And it all came together for them, so certainly happy for them and uh, really glad that we had the opportunity to see him in the NA Cup the other night. Yeah, and that's one of the things when we had, you know, we had Yannick on the show. And, uh, I mean, uh, just all the challenges that the COVID-19 epidemic, uh, the pandemic has uh, brought to things like that. I mean, I, I think that kind of flies under the radar. You know, I mean, trying to get horses across the border, drivers, you know, with Yannick Zingra trying to get across the border, and he had the quarantine itself. And, I mean, it's uh, you know, talk about some of the challenges that it, it takes to put not only the Pepsi North America Cup together, but, you know, all these stakes races in this time. Well, I think if you look at the card that we have this Saturday night with the Canadian Pacing Derby and the Maple Leaf Trot, you see that all, all the big names are here. So getting the horses here, uh, in, you know, there is a lot of planning and there's a lot of coordination that has to go on on the uh, the connection side of that, and that is finding uh, those up here around Woodbine Mohawk Park who are going to be able to take care of their horses, potentially race it for them if they're not going to come up early in quarantine. So there's a lot of planning that's got to go uh, into that part, but getting the horses here isn't, uh, I want to say, that big of a challenge. It is more the challenge is, is figuring out everything that's going to go into the day-to-day operation with them and getting them to the races. So, you know, we're, we're pretty lucky that, uh, you know, everybody has uh, obviously recognized uh, just how lucrative our stakes program is and uh, realizes that these are races that you can't pass up. And, and uh, you know, the big names have uh, come up and, and they've shown up. And, of course, you know, you'd love to have the, the top name drivers from the U.S. as well. But we got a great driving colony here. And I think that's the one thing we're going to see over this, uh, what we've already seen for the last couple of weeks and we're going to see over the rest of September is just uh, the talent that we have here locally. And, you know, and we're just excited uh, as, uh, you know, as media just to be talking about racing because, you know, a couple of months ago we really didn't know you know, what the heck was going on. And then, listen, we're just happy to, to have our uh, equine athletes back on the racetrack. And uh, we're very thankful that we're in a position to talk about it. But what a great card you guys have coming up on Saturday. I mean, top down, you've got Ontario Cyrus Thanks, Good Times Action. Let's talk a little bit about uh, that, the Good Times Final. That's race number three on the program. It's got a $215,000 purse and uh, some really nice horses there ready for money, the Hamiltonian runner-up. Uh, certainly a special horse in his own right. Uh, you know, he just ran, ran up against the buzzsaw and Ramona Hill and the Hamiltonian, but uh, certainly a, a very nice horse. Three to five favorite there. He's no doubt the one to beat. 
Yeah, he certainly is, and he looked great last week in the elimination and uh, getting into quite a weekly routine now as he is. This will be his third consecutive week racing and just five starts under his belt this year, but four for five, and uh, certainly, as we said, the, the one to beat. The Good Times is an interesting race this year just because of the fact that typically it would be raced in June on the, the original date for the North America Cup, and it's one of those races early in the year that uh, sometimes you get some of the top Hamiltonian contenders, sometimes, or I should say from the south, and you kind of put them up against our top local horses this year. Uh, it's a little different because it's going to lead into the Canadian Trotting Classic, which comes up in a few weeks, and obviously that's the, the big target for a horse like Ready for Money, but uh, you know, it's interesting. We'll, we'll see how he performs on Saturday night because, you know, the other two that I would circle in on are the Ben by Arjun trainees, Hayek and HP Royal Theo, who've made a lot of noise up here this season. Hayek just two starts ago set a Canadian record over a half mile track at Grand River and, and HP Royal Theo, you know, a lot of people may forget he won last year's William Wellwood Memorial. So he's got the credentials and he was last week's other elimination winner. So I think maybe those two can give a little bit of a challenge to ready for money, but no doubt uh, from what we've seen from him to this point is nearly perfect record on the campaign. He'll be awfully tough to beat. This Maple Leaf Trot in race five is going to be a dandy. And uh, I mean, you've got the, the renewed rivalry of, of course, the two fantastic men with Atlanta and Vanchego, but then of course you've got Jim Tainsey and you've got Guardian Angel Oz last year's winner. And you've got uh, Marion Marauder and Lindy the Great. I mean, this field is just, very, very deep, full of uh, a lot of talent. It is, and, and that uh, goes back to my point about the fact that, you know, while we are dealing with the current uh, COVID-19 situation, this didn't stop the best trotters in our game from coming here for the Maple Leaf Trot. And, you know, Maple Leaf Trot's a race that in the past we've been able to get uh, those from Europe to come over and attend. So who knows what uh, this field could have been like if we had been able to get a couple from overseas to come to the race this year. But I'd say still with the 10 that we've got, this is by far, in, in my opinion, and obviously I'm going to be a little biased, I think it's maybe the best trotting race we've seen to this point this year in North America. I know a lot of these uh, hooked up in the Cashman on Hamiltonian day, but you mix in uh, Manchego who wasn't in that event and a couple others that from locally here. And it's going to be a fantastic race. Uh, you know, I tweeted out right after the draw was released that, I mean, I'm not uh, the person to go back uh, too many years with all the facts and everything like that. But uh, you know, we've got a field here that has combined earnings. Of, I want to say it's 16.4 million, like just incredible number like wow. that. And you know, you look at a field like that. I'm not sure there's ever been a field that rich compete in one race. So uh, maybe somebody will be able to correct me. But if there is, it, it, I don't imagine there's been too many more, uh, too many races with a higher combined earnings than that. And, and to that point, you know, last year's Breeders' Crown Open Trot, the earnings was about $13 million for that group. And that included a $5 million winner in Bold Eagle. So this is as good as it gets if you're a fan of the Trotters. You know, it doesn't get much better than this. And I think the draw also... Uh, the way that it shook out makes things pretty interesting with Jim Panzee on the far outside and Manchego in the second tier. So I'm expecting it just to be a fantastic race. Yeah, I mean, that uh, that's that was actually going to be my next question. I think the draw really made this a very interesting puzzle to put together. Another interesting puzzle to put together is in race number nine, the Canadian Pacing Derby, another deep field. You've got Feathers, Wish, you've got Dancing Lou. I had a chance to uh, see Backstreet Chatter live in person here at Alice Philadelphia uh, last week, and that sub-49 effort was unbelievable. I believe Dietrich was in the bike. My movie serves me correct, and he was just straight back in the bike, and it looked like he had 20 more left in the tank. I mean, Century Pharaoh's been outstanding. This is a great race as well. 
Yeah, it really is. And I'd have a tough time exactly knowing where to go in that field for the Canadian Pacing Derby. It's it's a race that historically we've seen some uh, big upsets, including last year with Courtly Choice. And you go back a few years ago, uh, you know, Sintra wasn't the favorite the year he won it in 2017. And, and here he is back looking to get his second Pacing Derby title here in 2020. And he's coming off a, a real impressive win last week on the NA Cup card where he rallied from well back in a, on a night where there wasn't too many closers. And then he came by for the victory in the preferred. And you, you talked about some of the others that are in this field. And I also look at the fact that you've got a couple horses that were Breeders' Crown champions here at Mohawk Park last year. Anson Lewis, three, and American History won the won the Breeders' Crown open pace. So it's a deep, deep field. I think also a wide open contest. You know, you look at it, you know, on the morning line, the inside three obviously stand out, of course, with Better's Wish, Danson Lou, and Backstreet Shadow. But there certainly won't be an overwhelming favorite in here. And I would think anybody that's sending a pacer out in this contest has to think that they got a shot. Yeah, no question about it. That's a really, really a great race. And, of course, the card is sprinkled with Ontario Sinus Stakes action. Uh, maybe give us a horse in uh, one of the Ontario Sinus Stakes races that kind of, that is, uh, kind of stuck out to you. Yeah, you know, we've got the two-year-old pacing Colts. i uh, got a couple divisions of the OSS on Saturday night. And, you know, for some of your listeners that maybe haven't followed the OSS this season too closely, you know, of course, we've got some big grand circuit events coming up for the two-year-old pacers in the coming weeks, which, of course, includes the Metro Pace, which will be part of the Mohawk Million card on September 26th. There is a shadow play Colt by the name of Desperate Man, who is three for three. And if you haven't seen him yet, uh, just a professional, a big-looking uh, two-year-old that uh, has been uh, wowing those since uh, his debut in the baby races. And he's three for three. He'll go in the opening race. Trevor Henry drives for the team of Kathy and John Chakeen. And, I mean, Desperate Man, I think, is going to start to gain some attention here, especially when we get to those Grand Circuit events because he looks like he's got the makings of something special. So really looking forward to that. It's, it's a deep card, as I said, uh, or as you mentioned, just OSS events all over. We've also got the Simcoe Stakes for three-year-old Pacers, which includes four horses that raced in last week's Pepsi North America Cup. So it's a real busy night, 12 races on the card, 10 of them stakes events. All right, good stuff. Well, Mark, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. My friend, you guys are doing a heck of a job up there, uh, keeping us all entertained and uh, continuing to draw the, the, the big names despite all that's going on in the world. And we're certainly looking forward to the action coming up on Saturday. All right. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, I hope everyone's able to tune in on Saturday night. You know, we've got a lot of momentum going and uh, this, this month of racing that we're able to put on, uh, it's as good as it gets. So uh, really looking forward to bringing everybody the action. All right. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. That was Mark McKelvey from Woodbine Bohawk. Great, great action coming up on Saturday. Great action coming up on Saturday at the Downs of Mohegan Sun Pocono as uh, they're going to be, uh, they are going to have Pennsylvania Sire Stakes Finals. We have Pennsylvania Sire Stakes Finals coming up on Sunday. The two-year-olds will be going Saturday. The three-year-olds will be going on Sunday. Uh, Sire Stakes Finals for Ohio coming up at Sire. Just some great action all around, all around the board uh, this weekend. A good, good time to be the hardest racing fan. We're going to wrap this thing up after this uh, final timeout. you got first time with Mike and Mike presented by the USTA. Back in just a moment. Join Harness Racing's hottest and most affordable fractional group, Winner's Circle Racing. Winner's Circle Racing provides the total harness racing experience from the barn to the paddock all the way to the Winner's Circle. Come invest with us and experience 100% of the thrills at a fraction of the cost. For more information, visit WinnersCircleRacing.net. That's WinnersCircleRacing.net. Here comes the charging mower, charging hard at odds of 6 minute one. 
from the edge of your seat starts to the white knuckle finishes. Horse racing is truly a ride unlike any other. One that the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association intends to preserve in the Keystone State for years and years to come. From our breeders to track operators to you, the fan. PHRA is here to bring everyone together for the benefit of the sport we love and the majestic athletes we adore. Learn more about the PHRA's mission at PennHorseRacing.com. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Shane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training service in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. All right, special thanks to all of our guests who joined us on the program today. Matt Rose, Todd McCarthy, and Mark McKelvey. It's a big weekend of harness racing, so if you're a harness racing fan, this weekend is tailor-made for you. We'll be uh, back next Thursday morning for the first post of 10.30 of another edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by the USDA. Good night, everybody. Closing time, turn all of the lights on over every boy. Closing time One last call for alcohol To finish your whiskey or beer Closing time You don't have to go home But you can't stay here